What am I to do? Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, it's Jackie Russo. Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast. With so much going on in Acadiana today, especially here locally in the aftermath of Hurricane Laura affecting the southwest portion of Louisiana and hitting Cameron and Lake Charles and Sulphur so hard, I am thrilled to have Casey Boudreaux-White with us today talking about the Cajun Dome and not just what they usually do in times of response, but also some cool upcoming events that they have as we try to get back to having events. So Casey, welcome to the podcast, and I'm so glad you're here. Oh, I think we've lost Casey. Hopefully she'll be able to come back in. Um, That will be our hope. And in the meantime, I will just give you some updates uh, to see if perhaps we can stall for a little time until she arrives. So, as most of you know, uh, after Hurricane, just about every hurricane, but specifically after Hurricanes Katrina and Rita, the Cajun Dome served as a major focal point for evacuees in the state of Louisiana. Uh, now, with so much going on to our neighbors uh, to the west, specifically Lake Charles, Sulphur, um, Cameron Parish, all along the coast. A lot of people thought that this would be another opportunity for the Cajun Dome to serve as that kind of um, shelter. But uh, there's an order from the governor saying uh, he did not want large gatherings uh, because of COVID. And then Mayor President Guillory uh, putting out word that he didn't want any, even any small churches to serve as a shelter because of civil unrest. And so I think that's left a lot of organizations in a holding pattern. Meanwhile, one of the things that we're going to talk to Casey about when she's able to log back in is going to be um, some fun events they have coming up. Uh, They're doing an entire drive-in movie series. I'm super excited about that. I think they're trying to find ways to do more drive-in concerts. And there might even be some upcoming actual in-person events that they're starting to try to figure out how to do safely and appropriately. So the good thing is, Once they're able to get back up, um, we could actually start to have some socially distant, masked, safe gatherings again. I know with football starting in a couple of weeks, uh, the Raging Cajuns play in Iowa on September the 12th and then have their first home game, which was supposed to be September 5th. uh, For anybody who's keeping track of the football schedule, that was the plan. McNeese of Lake Charles was actually going to be in Lafayette this Saturday, Labor Day weekend, playing the very first home game of the season. But now, um, before the hurricane even, that game was canceled uh, because of their conference canceling football. And so this Saturday, the Raging Cajuns football team and athletics department is actually gathering supplies and taking them to Lake Charles. And I think they may even be delivering them onto the McNeese campus. So uh, I think that's great. And if anybody's interested in being able to help out and provide supplies that the football team can take, let me know, get in touch, because I'd love to be able to help facilitate the football team's endeavor. Casey's back. Yay. Hey, Casey. Oh, wait, I see we see a picture of her, but I don't see that we find her physically here yet. Um, She may be having some technical issues getting on. Yeah, if you don't have a high-speed internet connection, sometimes these live streams don't go as uh, well, and according to plan, they're not quite live, you know? 
So while we wait for Casey to work out some of her technical issues, she may have to get to a different Wi-Fi connection or hardwired connection. I'll keep talking about the drive that's happening this weekend. So if you have any materials uh, that you can deliver, I know specifically they're looking for cases of water, they're looking for tarps, uh, they're looking for flashlights, obviously any clothing that you have, non-perishable goods. Uh, there's a list on the UL Athletics uh, website and all of their social streams. So you can find that list and anything you can deliver to them, I know would be really helpful uh, because they're loading up their equipment 18-wheelers. Now those are some big trucks full-size 18-wheelers and they want to pack it to the brim and take it over to Lake Charles to help out our neighbors. Uh, McNeese itself, the campus, um, although did see some damage, I think uh, was probably spared the worst of it, uh, but from the reports I read yesterday, 78% of the structures in southwest Louisiana were damaged. 78%. Uh, I'm a rounder. I like to round up. So we might as well say just about all of them. Um, so that's great. Um, you've got all of those structures damaged, some far worse than others. Um, but it's the power and water that is obviously really impacting them the most. And that's why if you can supply anything that could help them out uh, from a power and water perspective, generators, bottles of water, tarps, uh, non-perishable food goods, anything like that, sleeping bags, air mattresses. You've got people sleeping in their cars, sleeping literally on the streets. Uh, we had a crew there um, helping out yesterday and the day before, and it is just mind-blowing the damage. I think they're predicting that with the um, all of the water uh, stations, water plants being affected, two of them being completely obliterated, that it's going to be quite some time before they're able to get full water capacity back up. Electricity. I think I saw a number that said 18,000 miles of electrical um, line was going to have to be run and 300, almost 300 electrical stations. Oh, Casey's back again. <sighs> hey, Casey. Hey, good morning. Hey, <laughs> good morning. Oh, it's perfect. I can see you and hear you. You're frozen for a second. Um, so hopefully your signal will just catch up and then we'll be good to go again. And I'll just keep uh, filling in with some more updates on the UL athletic team and their drive. So anything that you can do to help provide materials, I think is going to be really helpful. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, while we're waiting for Casey to get her connection, I'll fill you in on something else you probably should be knowing right now, uh, which is we are putting on a brand builders workshop and it's going to start September 17th. It's three half days, uh, it's three consecutive Thursdays. So that's September 17th, September 24th, and October 1st, um, eight to 12. And so you'll have the rest of the day to stay up with your regular work. Uh, but during these three half days, we're gonna cover three major categories that you need to build your brand. I'm calling it a brand accelerator, specifically because it is all about accelerating your brand. And I think that anybody who has to deal with marketing is gonna appreciate just how awesome this is gonna be in terms of getting your stuff straight. Really, the catalyst of this is people coming out of COVID, having shut down all of their marketing for months, and now having to gear back up again. How do they do that? So session one, which is on September 17th, 8 to 12, is going to be build a better brand. We're going to cover all of the foundational stuff. 
brand standards, identifying what a brand actually is, um, your mission, your vision, your culture, uh, all of those details, the four P's, the really fundamental foundational things that you need to build a brand. Then the next Thursday on September 24th, again from 8 to 12, we're going to build a strategic brand. We're going to go through the four core elements of building a brand. So it'll be focus. It's all about your target audience, getting into the demographics and psychographics of your target audience, knowing exactly how to identify who you should be talking to. The next core element, promise. Why should they choose you? What makes you special? What's your unique selling proposition? What's your point of differentiation? The third element is going to be a connection. That's messaging. What are you saying to your different target audiences about your different products and services to really connect with them? And then last but not least is harmony. We're going to talk about traditional advertising, TV, radio, newspaper, direct mail, PR, outdoor boards. How do we use those in this day and age to be as successful with them as possible? You know, I always hear people say, I feel like I'm wasting half of my budget. Which half? Okay, well, let's not waste any of your budget. Let's make sure all of your budget is properly invested and you're spending the money the right way with the right mindset. We're going to go through digital advertising. We're going to talk about websites. We're going to talk about all of those pieces that you need to really have a good, strong plan to build your brand. And then the third session, which is Thursday, October 1st, from eight to noon, that's building your annual marketing and social media calendar. And when I tell you this thing is chock-a-block full of good information, when it's all said and done, you are going to have filled out this entire workbook. It's about a hundred and, uh, I'm sorry, final count right now is 236 pages in this workbook of everything you need. And it's so easy. Don't be overwhelmed by the number of pages. Each page is one thing. And so you fill out that one thing, done, move to the next page. And we're going to fill it out together. That's the great part. Over the course of this 12 hours, we're going to fill out all of these pages together. So when we are done, you'll have a calendar. Now your calendar can start October 1st if you wanted to, or your calendar can start January 1st. That's up to you. But you'll have a completely filled in calendar with what you're doing for traditional advertising, what you're doing for digital advertising, what you're doing for your content um, inbound marketing program, what you're doing for your thought leadership, how you're handling your social media. We're going to go through all the different social media channels that your target audience uses. And we're going to talk about which ones you should be using and how to best use them. I'm going to give you all the tips and tricks. I have this resource guide at the end of this workbook. It's worth the price of admission all by itself. It's every book you should read next year. It's every podcast you should subscribe to, every blog you should read, all of the technology that you need to know. This is the really cool part, right? So this technology is what CRMs should you be using? This technology is what should you be using for group work? What um, things, apps should you use for creating the content you're going to be putting online? It's all on there. It's so awesome. You're going to love it. So you need to sign up for this right now because we've got an early bird special going. Uh, now until September 10th, uh, you can get a pretty big savings on this whole program. The 12 hours of classroom instruction, which is all virtual. Access to it after the class is over if you need to go back and watch it later. Your 236-page workbook, um, everything for just $250. That's the early bird rate. So do it now. Save the money. 
figure out how to get back your marketing mojo and get your company back online because as people start getting back into business again you want to position your company to not just survive this whole pandemic but actually thrive during it and so this is the class you need to make that happen so whether you're in a nonprofit you're in healthcare you're in hospitality you're in manufacturing there's a whole section on b2b that is awesome about how to replace what you had been doing with trade shows and conferences uh, to really build your sales you don't need to do that right now because none of those conferences are happening so you can use these skills and these tips and tricks to go out and really promote your company using digital tactics and some good old smart elbow grease and build your brand the right way so if you want to sign up the link is right there on the screen so you can go to the brandrusso.com website um, you click on uh, brand builders and there it is boom branding accelerator three-day workshop and it's three half days because I know you still have to work and balance the rest of your life uh, you sign up for that today get that early bird discount and then you get to hang out with me for 12 hours that's like a win-win right uh, so if you have any questions about it you can always email me Jackie at brandrusso.com or you can message me on uh, Twitter Facebook Instagram at Jackie Russo and I'll be happy to answer any questions that you might have um, oh looks like we just got a question actually uh, one of the questions is if you register for the class and then you uh, can't attend an hour or something because you get called into work no problem all of the sessions will be available for download later and it looks like Casey White is back with us hey Casey hopefully maybe third time's a charm I feel like it listen I have to tell you this is maybe the 25th or 26th episode of this thing that we've done since the pandemic started we have a technical challenge every time so do not feel like you're the only one it's really it's very normal at this point so you're in your third location now inside this Cajun Dome have is this the one is this the one that has the Wi-Fi hotspot you feel the best about uh, I hope so at this okay. point <laughs> fingers crossed okay catch your breath because I know you've probably been running all over the Cajun Dome with a laptop and an antenna going wait can I catch a signal here can you hear me now so take a breath and we're gonna start this whole thing again um, I just made up stuff to talk about for 15 minutes and now we can talk about you in the Cajun Dome so hi Casey White welcome to the show hi thanks for having me this morning oh great to have you here so I know that one of the hardest hit areas of our community has been live events and so obviously that's what the Cajun Dome does more than anything so tell us what it was like in the middle of March when you got the word that we were going into a shelter at home order and you had lined up this entire array of amazing spring events that now were not gonna happen uh, how do you go about canceling everything yeah I mean it was a really stressful couple of weeks you know we had probably our busiest March on record coming up you know we had just come off of the Jason Aldean concert and then you know we had the kid concert coming up a week later we had a week of Cirque du Soleil we had toughest monster trucks so there was a lot coming up in a very short amount of time and you know there was a lot of behind the scenes where we had to get everything updated on our websites you know some of those later events in March were you know still hanging on hoping you know maybe it didn't happen and so, you know, there was a lot of last-minute decisions, unfortunately, you know, and a lot of a, a lot of upset people. Uh, but you know, we did what we had to do in the time that we had to do it. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, it was, it was a big shocker for all of us, you know, and obviously at that point in time, we were hoping, you know, maybe this is a couple of months thing, you know, you know, not imagining we'd be here and, you know, now the start of September, essentially still in that same limbo um, when it comes to those larger live events. Isn't that just crazy? I mean, six months later, we're still trying to figure out what next week holds for us. Um, I don't know that as humans, we're hardwired to live so uh, minute by minute. I mean, I know we're supposed to live in the moment, uh, but this scheduling thing for the people who like to plan like me, I live by my calendar. This whole it's on, it's off thing is quite frustrating. And then I would imagine there are a lot of things beyond your control, like refunds. That's kind of a ticket master or live nation decision, right? I mean, the Cajun Dome doesn't get to decide who gets refunds and when. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, that ticket money is not our money. You know, essentially, if you buy your tickets at the box office, we're holding on to that for a short period of time and then we're sending that over to Ticketmaster. So, yeah, anything that comes along with, you know, refunds or the process to get those, you know, unless you bought it directly at the box office, um, you know, that's that's all out of our hands. You know, so we have to go along with, you know, their guidelines. You know, obviously, this is a lot of money that they've now lost out on. Right. So, you know, that's a lot of cash they have to have on hand to be able to even offer refunds and turn that back around. Um, you know, they're a huge enterprise, you know, so it takes a lot of money to keep all those account reps working um, and getting those events on sale. So, um, so yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, you know, I think we're, we're kind of used to that last minute, you know, oh, hey, we want to get this shit in two days, you know, get everything ready. Um, so, you know, we're kind of used to tight deadlines and making things work. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of those decisions come from outside. So we just have to be ready and, and willing to do what we have to do when the time comes. Right. That's so tough. So then I know, you know, you get through March and April and those immediate events and now it's like, oh, we're going to have to buckle up for the long haul. And so then all of a sudden along came the Cajun Heartland State Fair. Go, go, fun, fun. Cancel, cancel. Uh, so you know, it led into the summer, which is usually a pretty busy time for y'all. Now we're back again to the fall um, coming up. Are y'all starting to think about scheduling things? Or are we looking into the future? Is there a forecast magic ball? We are like, we feel good about putting this on the books on this date. You know, it, it's a combination of things. So obviously a lot of the shows that we were going to have in the spring this year all got pushed to the fall. So, you know, within the past month or so, they've been pushed to the spring of next year. So, you know, our, our calendar from, you know, a busy standpoint is, you know, I mean, our calendars are full, you know, spring in January, you know, through, through May, really. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's promising. Now, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss to say that if those, like some of those major concerts aren't already thinking, do we have to look at fall dates for 2021, you know, because we just, we don't know at this point. Um, like you said, we all wish we had the magic crystal ball that says, you know, when, when, when are the guidelines loosen up? When are the local guidelines going to loosen up? Um, but, you know, we also have promoters that are being proactive. You know, they're asking for, um, limited seating layouts, you know, like if, if they can't have, you know, full capacity, you know, what are their options? Um, you know, it takes a lot of money to put on these shows. And so obviously, you know, they've got to make sure that they can sell a reasonable amount of tickets, you know, at a reasonable ticket price um, in order to at least make, you know, the money that they've got to turn around to pay all these employees that put on the show and then to pay the artist. 
Right. Um, so, you know, so I mean, we're looking at a variety of things. I know that restaurants um, are having a hard time operating profitably at a 50% capacity or 25% capacity because like you said, you got to turn on the lights, you know, there's just a certain operating cost. And so are there tours that can operate profitably if the Cajun Dome was at 50% capacity by choice? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, part of that's going to come from, you know, those national recording artists, you know, obviously working with the venues, um, you know, having reasonable guarantees, you know, that we can, you know, get them back on the road, get them touring, get their music out. But I think it also presents an opportunity for maybe some of those, you know, those regional, those lesser known acts that are those up and comers to get in an arena setting, you know, and actually have an arena show that they might not have been privy to before. Right. Or they might have just been an open. Um, so I think it's open new opportunities for everyone across the board. Um, and, it, and it is it is doable. You know, I mean, we're, we're not a super expensive venue. You know, and, you know, when you look at us comparatively to the Smoothie King Center, um, you know, Superdome, larger arenas that can hold more people, um, you know, we are smaller, we're more intimate, so, um, we've got a lot more flexibility. Um, I know that one of the things that is a challenge when it comes to booking artists, especially those larger shows, is that sometimes venues will put this geographic radius. And I always thought the Cajun Dome's advantage was being centered between New Orleans and Houston. So somebody plays in Houston and they can catch us on the way east. Somebody plays in New Orleans, they can catch us on the way west. Are we almost too close to those cities these days to fill that kind of on-the-road vibe? Or are we situated just right physically? Um, it's going to vary. So obviously, whenever we can get a longer route of your national artist, you know, it's, it's beneficial for us. Um, now what's, what's going to happen is those, those touring promoters are going to look at us. They're going to look at blocks and a look at Shreveport Bossier. So, you know, stores say, look, we're going to add all these you know, smaller market venues along the tour. Some of them say, we're going to pick one out of those three. So then they have to delve dive, you know, dive even further and decide, you know, which market, um, depending on the genre of the entertainer, um, you know, is going to sell the most tickets for them. So, you know, obviously here in Lafayette country is kind of our butter. It's what, you know, it's what sells, um, you know, it's what the fans are buying tickets to go see. So typically it's a country show that, that's going to route, we've got a pretty good, you know, shot at getting it um, compared to like the ticket sales that they usually see for those shows in Shreveport and Biloxi kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely more likely, you know, that we can get on those. Um, It just depends on the show. Well, I would think from a community and culture standpoint, if our competition is Biloxi and Shreveport, Lafayette should stack up pretty good. If I'm an artist Absolutely. wanting to hang out in a town for the day, I would pick Lafayette over those two any day. Um, all right, let's switch gears uh, a little bit and talk about, oh, wait, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, uh, we have a little comment on Facebook. Lauren Shuffler's listening and watching, and she says, I miss live music and the Cajun Dome. Uh, Lauren, I'm sure that they miss you too. Uh, And I would imagine that Casey and the team are trying to do everything possible to get you back in their doors as soon as possible. Um, So switching gears, I always think of the Cajun Dome after live music um, and basketball and ice hockey and those kinds of things 
as the place where we go when there's a crisis, um, because it is the shelter uh, for our area. Um, and we're not right now, not wanting to delve into the political side of it, uh, but considering the governor's orders and everything else, if there was a decision for the Cajun Dome to be a shelter at this point, do you, or if we needed to, would there be a plan in place for that to happen? I mean, I know that y'all haven't had staff for months uh, in, because it, nobody's been working because you haven't had any events. So how would that work? I mean, is there a switch that Pam flips and all of a sudden you can go into crisis mode? Um, you know, kind of like you said, uh, as of right now, we are basically down to about six full-time employees here at the Cajun Dome. Pretty much the rest of our staff has either been laid off or we've got about maybe 10 or so on furlough. So, you know, we, we are very limited capacity, but we're not we're not sitting around here idle either. So, um, you know, we essentially have been in hurricane shelter planning mode for the past two, threes now, putting our pit play, you know, what we'd offer, um, social distancing that we can offer if we were to become some sort of shelter, um, maybe not necessarily for families that have to relocate because the main priority is to put them in hotels. But it, we can provide, you know, many sleeping pods, you know, that are separated, provide distancing for some of those volunteers that are coming to work, uh, some of that frontline crew for the Red Cross, for FEMA. Um, you know, we want to be able to provide, you know, a closer access point for them to Lake Charles, be they would get if they had to stay in Baton Rouge or New Orleans. So um, we definitely have our plans and protocols in place. Um, we know we are a state building. So at the end of the day, if we're called upon to serve, we're going to be ready and willing to do so. That's awesome. I would imagine once all the hotels are at capacity, if the Cajun Dome had to step up as a um, holding area, uh, because we are so close to Lake Charles, especially for the frontline workers, they're going to have to be going back and forth for it sounds like weeks, if not months, to get power and water back on. Um, I think that y'all having a plan becomes really important and maybe even in some ways a, a help to the economy uh, because it could make up for some of that lost revenue for the past few months that the Cajun Dome hasn't been able to have events. Um, you know, and y'all are funded by tax dollars if you're not making money. So it is really at the end of the day a help to our budget, I would think, if federal dollars are paying the way for those volunteers to lodge there, am I thinking about that the right way? Right. Yeah. So part of their funding would come through federal, you know, FEMA, um, the GOSEP, things like that. I mean, that would be, you know, essentially federal dollars that could come in, um, you know, and help us right now. Um, you know, obviously with very few or little events going on right now, um, you know, we don't have a lot of revenue coming in. And so, um, you know, we're, we're penny pinching wherever we can um, to help save our expenses. You know, I mean, it costs a lot of money just to keep the air conditioning on. Um, and we've got to do that a few days a week just so things don't deteriorate too quickly. Um, so, you know, keeping up that maintenance and everything else. So, um, yeah, that those, those dollars help and then that brings in people that, you know, have their own, you know, per diems and things like that that they can go and spend at the local restaurants um, you know, the retail stores and everything. So, you know, it, just like our events would bring in outside cash to our local businesses, um, this sort of situation, you know, while unfortunate, also sort of does the same thing. Right, right, absolutely. I mean, we don't ever want a disaster to strike, uh, but 
in the year of 2020, it feels like every week brings a new one. Um, and if there's a way to sort of recoup some of our financial hardships, uh, this this would be the way to do that. And so let's step up and help where we can. Um, in terms of upcoming events, am I correct that y'all are going to be doing some drive-in movie events? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. So um, if, if you were aware, we did a, a Garth Brooks concert stream drive-in event back in June. And so that kind of got our, our appetite wet for some drive-in events. And so I reached out to our friends at Social Entertainment. Um, we had been working with them since last year for the fair. Um, we did the Southern Fried Down. And so I reached out to them and said, hey, you know, I, obviously they're very event-driven business um, and without anything going on. Um, you know, I reached out to them and said, hey, you know, would you you know, put together this drive-in concept and they, they were on board um, and they've been a great partner so far. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to our first drive-in weekend. It's going to be September 18th through the 20th. So the Friday night, we're going to feature some movies, uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and then a late night movie with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, and then Saturday and Sunday, we actually have live music out there. Um, so we'll have uh, sort of like a country lineup on Saturday. It's going to have Ray Bruce, Ray Boudreau, Mark Broussard, um, Clay Cormier, Roddy Romero, and Julian Primo. And then on Sunday, we'll have sort of like a Cajun Zydeco lineup with uh, Chubby Carrier, Boris Trahan, Lack. Um, and some other, and some other guests that he's going to be bringing on as well. So, um, it you know it's kind of a great opportunity for us to have some events going on. Uh, I think it, you kind of see that hashtag cancel culture floating around right now. Um, you know, I think we just saw the pumpkin patch got canceled yesterday. So, you know, we're trying to provide some safe, you know, social distance events. Um, you know, folks will drive up, they could stay in their vehicle. The The sound will actually stream through, through an FM transmitter. And so they'll hear it straight through their radio or they could bring a battery operated radio. Um, so, you know, and then there'll be a space between each vehicle. So there's plenty of space, um, you know, to social distance and be able to enjoy some entertainment, enjoy some live entertainment. And hopefully if this cold front that they keep alluding to happens, you know, maybe there'll be some really nice weather that we weekend too to be able to enjoy it so um but yeah so and you know obviously putting this information out there about this drive-in we've also gotten a lot of other interest from some touring artists uh, um, national comedians that maybe would have not have looked at Lafayette necessarily in the past um you know are, are looking to get into the drive-in show business um so they could get back out on the road um so it, it's been really promising and exciting kind of see what's sort of stemmed out from that that's awesome. So Michael's put the link up uh, to your Facebook page for people to go to get more information about the drive-in. And um, are people buying tickets online? Do you buy at the gate? How does that work? Yeah, so tickets are going to be available in advance. Um, they could go to CajunDome.com. Um, the plan is we're trying to get them the tickets up to where they can go on sale at the end of this week. Um, so we'll have more information going live soon. Um, but yeah, basically in advance, um, you can bring outside food and beverage. We'll just be charging a cooler fee if you want to bring in an outside cooler. Um, but we'll also have food available for purchase from uh, Reggie Soul Food. Um, I know they recently had to close their downtown location. 
location because of the pandemic. So uh, we're really excited about that partnership and to help him get his business back, um, you know, on the road, essentially. Um, and the Cajun Dome will provide uh, beverage uh, beverages for sale as well. So um, we're looking forward to a really uh, fun event. That is awesome. So is this like the old days where you charge uh, by the person or by the car? Do I need to plan on putting seven people in my trunk and sneaking them in? Or are you just charging by the vehicle? Right. So tickets are priced per vehicle. And then Good. you could have up Good to move. the number of legal legal seat belts in your vehicle um, is what you're allowed to bring with you. And then we will have, so, um, we are planning to do some oversized vehicle passes. So like if you want to bring your RV, if you want to bring a Sprinter van, um, things like that, if you want to come in a limousine um, you can basically buy a, a larger pass to do that awesome and then um, do I have to stay inside my vehicle during the event or do I have to stay within the parking space my vehicle occupies how are we doing that well you know that that's that's an issue where we're obviously monitoring our current you know local and state CDC uh, and guidelines right so currently we're under a less than 50 people social gathering um, restriction through, I think, September 11th. So as of right now, we're going to insist that people stay in cars. Now, if some of those restrictions were to get loosened up after the 11th, then what we'll probably say is that they can bring their own chairs, sit outside in the, in the designated parking spot next to their vehicle that's open um, to be able to enjoy it outside. Right, so right. like I said, it's just one of those things we have to kind of monitor and, and follow along with the rules. So. Sure. Everybody likes a rule follower. Absolutely. Um, now, if I buy a ticket for one event, uh, for example, the first movie, Spider-Verse, do I stay for the second movie or do I have to buy another ticket for the second movie? So they, they are sold as individual events. So okay. you would purchase a ticket to what you want to go to, um, basically individually for that first night. So okay. we'll, we'll essentially and so, and, empty out the parking lot between events. Right. Uh, just like the movie theater does uh, when you're sitting inside. Mm -hmm. is, is that the same thing for the music on Saturday and Sunday during the day? Well, basically for Saturday and Sunday's events, like you're buying one ticket for the evening. So you're essentially attending. A, it's, it'll be around a three-hour show on both nights. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay, great. And yeah, then for, for one food for and show. beverages... Um, do is there a, like a, an actual concession stand to get beverages from the Cajun Dome or food from Reggie's or is it delivered to the car? How's that going to work? Uh, we're, well, we're still kind of developing those options right now. We are planning to have a ticket option when you go to purchase your ticket. If you want to pre-purchase like a family pack of food, maybe, you know, to include X number of burgers, hot dogs, um, that kind of thing. So where you can actually pre-order and then we can kind of text you the night of the event when your order's ready to come pick it up at a designated window. Um, we're looking into some mobile ordering options. Um, we're just trying to see what's kind of feasible for this kind of setup, what makes the most sense. You know, if it's, you know, you're told to come pick it up at a certain window versus if we have the manpower and the staff to be able to deliver to a vehicle. So still right. some things we're working on um, over these next couple weeks to develop sure i have a fantasy in my mind right now of like a, a qr code at every parking spot which i can just shoot a picture of it with my phone and then you can bring food to me in a golf cart i mean let me know how crazy we can get with this because i feel like this could be a fun event it would be awesome yeah and i Absolutely. feel like people and that's what we're trying need to do 
Well, because people need community. Uh, they need to get out of their houses. They need a safe, healthy way to be with other people, have some entertainment. I think six months is a long time for a Cajun to be cooped up. That's right. That's right. You know, and it was funny. We even kind of saw that with the Garth Brooks event. You know, people would, you know, th that they came with, of course, they would sort of put their chairs in a circle next to their vehicle and half of them weren't even looking at the screen, you know, um, just so they could kind of sit and chat and, you know, conversate with, with their friends that they came with. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's long due um, for another, for another run. Right. No, absolutely. And so if these go well, um, are there thoughts that you would continue this on even after we're well into phase four and, and whatever normal looks like? I mean, maybe this is a thing that we do now. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is something that we're only going to be able to expand on. Um, you know, we're already sort of looking at parking lot uh, concert options, like with tables where you would reserve a table essentially to watch a live concert. So, you know, we're kind of looking as the phases progress, what what things we can incorporate until we can get back to that, you know, capacity in the arena. Because, you know, obviously we don't at this point know when that's going to be. You know, we can hope that it's going to be in March when our first concert is currently scheduled for. Um, but at this point in time, we just don't know. So we have to prepare like, you know, the drive-in, the outdoor concert's going to be our way of life, maybe for the next, you know, six, eight months. We just don't know it this point right but um, we got to have those plans I would like to uh, lobby uh, to have the area behind the convention center where that grass parking lot and the coulee run turned into an outdoor shaded amphitheater uh, kind of like the uh, Cynthia uh, Cynthia Woods Mitchell pavilion in the woodlands so can you make that happen do you have that kind of power um with time and money as, as we've always said <laughs> Oh my God, you sound just like Pam just now. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, yeah, like, like I said, we're definitely looking at, uh, you know, we've been looking at the parking lot that's in front of the convention center. Um, you know, we can use the fencing that we would use normally for the fair um, and essentially sort of fence off an area in front of the convention center, set up a stage, have the tables set up. Uh, with seating so you know we're, we're looking at all kind of different options so it's wherever we can maximize the most amount of space and keep social distancing and everything else so right we're looking at all the options <laughs> i love that um i would imagine that you all pay attention to other venues of your similar size and market across the country have you observed any of them um doing these kinds of things and well, and maybe some other things that y'all are thinking, I like the way they pulled that off over there in Des Moines. We should do something like that. What's on the radar? What's caught your attention that somebody else has done right? And you're like, I want to do some of that. Um, you know, most of the other venues, they're, they're kind of doing similar things, you know, so like some of them have delved into the drive-in concept ideas. Um, and then to further expand live stream of these shows that have been paid concerts online so i think that's one thing that we've kind of taken note of and that we're going to try to maybe introduce with some of these drive-in concerts um you know obviously keeping it very affordable maybe like a ten dollars right but um right. something where people you know if you don't want to get out yet you want to stay at home maybe maybe you want to sit in your car in your driveway and set up a you know a projector screen 
um, and pretend like you've got your own drive in, um, you know, and then basically, you know, watch a live concert as it's happening uh, by the Cajun Dome. So um, that's probably one of the, the things that we're trying to look at next, um, just because from our standpoint, there is minimal cost involved, you know, with the live stream process. And so if that's something that we could do to help generate a little bit of money, that, you know, helps keep our, our employees employed, you know, for a few more months um, or lets us bring back more people um, back onto the payroll. That's, that's what we're going to try to do. So, right. Well, and, you know, obviously we just ask, you know, that the community supports us, you know, and, you know, buys tickets to events, you know, when they feel comfortable and, um, you know, reach out to us if there's things that you want to see. I love that. Um, as a taxpayer, I want to see the Cajun Dome make as much money as possible because um, I feel like when y'all are generating your own revenue, you don't need tax dollars as much. And so I think it's a win-win for everybody. It employs people. It puts Lafayette on the map. It brings people in from neighboring communities, which boosts all the businesses around you. I just feel like that's a win-win-win for everybody. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lita's impact studies have shown that, you know, we, we contribute directly and indirectly about $48 million a year into the last, you know, via, you know, retail sales tax, um, hotel, motel um, rates and sales tax. But then also, like I said before, you know, the cash that's coming in that people are spending when they go eat at the restaurants, you know, when they visit our retail shops, um, you know, we, we, you know, we've looked at the numbers and, Previously, you know, 85% of our ticket sales for events, like for major concerts, come from outside of Lafayette Parish. So, really? you know, that's that's money that's coming in from, you know, it's it's not even our, our local, you know, residents, but obviously they're feeling the benefit of that. Um, you know, that's the money that, you know, helps to to fund the rec centers and, you know, other programs, you know, that, you know, helps put on community events at the Hyman Center, you know, because we're helping bring in that extra revenue um, from, you know, essentially the little bit of money that we do get from the city. Um, you know, I believe it was about, you know, 260000 that we got last year compared to our, I think, I think we had about an $8 million operating budget. Um, so, you know, in, in comparison, it's, it's not a lot of money for the return that we bring back to the city. Um, you know, we just, obviously we want to be able to share that and hope people are aware, you know, of what we do bring to the community, um, not just via concerts, but even, you know, conferences and conventions that we host, you know, some of those major events um, that bring in, you know, people that have expense accounts that can come and, and go eat out at night and entertain their clients. So, um, you know, a broad range that we can appeal to. So let's talk about conferences, um, because I think that's an important, vital role that you serve that obviously has gone by the wayside uh, for the past six months. And there was, I think, quite a surprise um, for a lot of people when LAGCO decided to shift gears and move to New Orleans. Are y'all, and I'm not looking for top secret insider information, I'm curious, are y'all looking for um, either a, a plan to get them back or plans to replace them with other kinds of um, events like that. Are we on the move? Are you taking yeah, us on a walking know, tour of the Cajun Dome? You know, my uh, so I like you like I said, I'm on my third uh, piece of technology here. So uh, the battery is quickly winding down. Oh, so I've got to of course it is <laughs> a pluggable source. Um, 
but yeah, no, I mean, obviously we're, you know, we're continuously searching for, you know, pieces of businesses that we can replace what we've lost. Um, you know, the benefit obviously is, you know, some of the conventions that were going to be in those larger cities, you know, with COVID and everything, you know, they've decided to look at other markets, other markets. Um, one being because maybe their attendance isn't going to be as high, so they don't necessarily need as much space. Um, so, you know, we work with LCV and, you know, to go after, you know, various conferences um, and see what we can do to bring them to Lafayette, you know, and sell them. So, uh, yeah, so it's it, a uh, process. Right. Well, one of the things that I would think in when you're looking at bringing in these other venues, especially, and I hadn't thought about that, but I think that's a great point. Conferences that would normally go to Houston or New Orleans that maybe aren't going to have as much attendance and can't afford those big venues, we become the magic sweet spot. I've heard for years that one of our biggest challenges is not being a full convention center is because we don't have a connected hotel. I'm back to that parking lot and grassy area and the coolie right behind the convention center. Are we going to go build a hotel back there? Um, you know, it, that we've done numerous feasibility studies. Um, you know, LCVC has been working really hard on that for us. Um, you know, part of it is just getting obviously a, um, an investor, you know, that wants to come in and build a hotel here. Um, you know, other, uh, of moving this to it uh, you know obviously we would love to be able to have a hotel on site you know and become an all-inclusive venue um to where you know the attendees can walk straight from the hotel to their convention center meeting um but you know at the end of the day we just got to wait and see um to be a possibility right uh, i mean was has there been talk about building a, a bridge to the hotel across Congress? Is that feasible or is that not the right property because most of these convention hotels have uh, dining on site and have ballrooms and have room service? Um, and so is that hotel just not a feasible replacement for a convention hotel? Uh, you know, I think the, the issue with the, with the walking bridge um, is I think it at last Last I heard, I mean, it's about a million dollar project to build oh, a bridge wow. over the walkway there. So it obviously takes a very substantial capital investment um, just to build it. So um, I, I don't know if it's going to happen or if it's possible, um, at least probably not right now, because, um, you know, like I said, it, it's it's a pretty, uh, pretty substantial project uh, monetarily right. wise. So um, right. but I don't know. We'll see. And then, you know, I mean, obviously, whenever we do uh, go after convention you know we do plug that we do have a hotel right across the street um and then you know we have a number of hotels that are literally within five miles of the of the conference center so um you know i mean it's, it's all pretty reasonably close a lot of them you know will work with conferences too and providing shuttles you know for the major events um so i mean there, there's options you know um so we'll see right we'll see <laughs> well and i feel like i i hear a lot about maybe like the double tree on uh, Pinhook 
being kind of the convention hotel. And so like you said with shuttles, it seems like they've really stepped up and filled that void when there isn't the one right on the property. And so y'all do seem to get more than your fair share of conferences and conventions. And so um, that is probably a testament to you and Pam and the whole team over there and the work that y'all have done. Um, I know that in the past when we've worked with uh, Cirque du Soleil, for example, um, or the Feldman group with the other shows they bring to town, uh, they always tell us that the Cajun Dome is one of their favorite venues to connect with because of how the community, um, the culture here, the team at the Cajun Dome, and um, really how well they feel taken care of. And so I think that y'all become this really great ambassador for Lafayette to the outside community. If you were to uh, go after your dream um, act or event, what would you get? Who would you come bring to Lafayette that would be just like a win in your mind? You can have more than one. It's oh, okay. man. Gosh, I know. I wish I had time to like sit and think about that one. I don't even know. Um, things have just been such a whirlwind, you know, that <laughs> like, I feel like I need to be like a student of music again, you know, and just kind of right. go and, like see what all's out there. Cause like lately it's like, you know, everybody's been on pause, you know, we've been so wrapped up with other things that, I mean, gosh, I'm, I'm like, part of me is going like, who, who's even recently doing a tour you know what I mean like right but there are no tours it seems um, so even going through right, history right. I mean when I think about it like if you were to say the Beatles for example well the challenge is we don't have enough space for somebody that big so it almost can't be somebody that's rock star huge because we don't have enough space I mean we're what 13,000 seats at full capacity yes okay Correct. so yeah, yeah so you, you you can't go get Paul McCartney, who put, you know, 250,000 people in Central Park, or Elvis, you would have to get somebody, um, maybe like kind of a mid-size um, touring artist. So maybe that's it. Maybe it just becomes that we become known as the place that if you are a mid-size touring act, you know you have to stop in Lafayette, and they start foregoing Biloxi or Shreveport, some of the other mid-size southern Gulf Coast stops and we become the number one choice. I could see that. Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny. Um, I had, you know, this was probably last year, I had put together a report of, you know, all the acts that have played at the Cajun Dome. And, you know, it's funny when you, you look back and you see like how many of those, you know, George Strait did here, you know, when the Cajun Dome first opened, like he played here almost every year for like 10 years. Um, so, you know, it's kind of funny when you see like those kind of names now that it's like, you know, I mean, like, they were here and they were here a lot, you know? Um, so that's always fun and exciting to, to kind of go back and look at. That is awesome. How much of a scramble was it when Garth Brooks decided to go from, what was it, one night originally to all of a sudden five nights in a row and y'all just kept selling out and selling out and selling out? I mean, should we put him on as an annual uh, option? Like maybe just name July the Garth Brooks month at the Cajun Dome and we'll do an artist in residency with him like they do in Vegas? God, I mean, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I just, first on sale day was just nuts here in the office. You know, it, it started out with, okay, you know, show number one's going on sale. And, you know, you know, they were like, oh, no, show number two's going on sale. And it was like, what, show number two? You know, like, because not even all of us were kind of privy that there could actually be up to five concerts at that time. Oh, so that was like discussed ahead of time. Y'all like knew every 30, that it, every thirty minutes. 
Sorry, you're, you're cutting out a little bit, but I just wanted to confirm what I just heard. So y'all knew ahead of time that if he kept selling out, you would add shows up to five shows. So y'all were a little prepared for it. It wasn't like all of a sudden his people said, let's add another show. Right. No, I mean, yeah, there were definitely like once a certain show hit a certain amount of tickets sold, they would essentially open up the next show. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, fans were so responsive and excited about alone that you know bought tickets to multiple shows was crazy you know um like there are people that bought tickets to three or four of his shows and came wow you know, so unbelievable those connection are true presence that you, you can't you know you don't you don't find with every artist you know um right. i mean his the drive-in show that we did we sold five or something so i mean people to come see Garth Brooks on a TV screen, you know, in their car. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we need to find, we need more Garth for sure. <laughs> more Garth, more cowbell and more Garth. I think that's a good way to live life. Um, you know, when I think about all of the other artists out there, when we can't get um, somebody who regularly sells out a hundred thousand seat arena or whatever big size arenas are. I don't even know. Um, do y'all ever go to them and say, Hey, instead let's do five nights like Garth did. You know, you can do 13,000 times five. You'll get almost to your hundred thousand that way. Um, is that something that other artists have considered? Honestly, I'm not sure. Um, you know, when it comes to a lot of the promoter relations that is handled by our director, Payne. So, that she's privy to um, than I am at this point in time. But, um, you know, I mean, I think especially like right now, whenever we're looking at reduced capacity for shows, um, you know, artists are possibly looking at doing multiple shows in a city so that they can at least get closer to those normal capacities. Um, so, you know, for right. sure. Well, and I think if we get to that point, that again becomes a benefit to the community because if we can keep an artist in town, you know, two, three, four days at a time, that's more revenue into our city. That's more people coming in for concerts over time. And so that seems like a way to, to do both things, to be safe. Um, to be socially distant and at reduced capacity, but still allow for opportunities for togetherness, live events, and revenue generators. Uh, and think when we can do both things, we can be healthy and make money. I, I think that's a that's a good move for everybody. Um, Casey, what else should we know about the Cajun Dome? What should we know about the job y'all are doing, the challenges you're going through? Um, what's next? Anything? Oh, I mean, you know, obviously our biggest challenges right now is, you know, trying to get more events on the books. Um, having, you know, conferences and conventions rescheduled, um, bringing in outside business that we didn't have before. Um, you know, just, you know, whatever we can do with that calendar. Um, and, and another another big challenge we face right now is the fact that there are capacity limitations um, for, for inside venues that, you know, and right now it's 50, you know, once that number, you know, goes away um, and we can go along with the guidelines of a percentage of capacity buildings 
are privy to like churches um, and things like that, you know, then we can get to a point where we can show that, you know, we can safely operate at Reduce provide live entertainment for folks. Um, you know, so I think that that's, that's probably our, our biggest hurdle right now. We've got to essentially have leave the track, um, you know, continue on and continue planning for these, um, you know, and then, just us getting creative and finding ways that we can put on events in a safe way right? or concert, right. things like that, that, you know, we're willing to do until, you know, until we can get back to where we need to be inside. Well, I applaud you and the whole team there at the Cajun <laughs> Dome and all the work that y'all are doing to try to find ways to provide events in a safe and healthy way, um, to provide opportunities for the community to connect and be entertained and gather together. I mean, we are social creatures and I think it's been really hard on a lot of people mentally and emotionally to be so disconnected. And so for y'all to provide these safe ways for connection, I think that is just awesome. Um, thank you to everybody who has been watching today. I know that we had some technical challenges, so I appreciate y'all sticking with it. Um, Casey, I applaud you and your move throughout the Cajun Dome all day today as you've tried to find the right hot spots um, and the right Wi-Fi signals. Uh, to everybody listening and watching, thanks for your comments and your questions. And um, hopefully you'll have a chance to head over to the Cajun Dome in a couple of weeks, sit outside, maybe there'll be a cool front come through, and you can watch a movie, listen to some music, eat some good food, and see your friends and neighbors again. And as I mentioned at the top of the hour, there are two things that um, I hope you're able to do right now. One is support the UL Athletics Department and their um, fundraising um, supply drive to bring needed materials to Lake Charles on Saturday. And the other is go to our Razor Branding workshop and sign up for the Brand Accelerator Series and figure out how to get your marketing back online. Thank you all for watching Razor Branding Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Well, the day is through.